This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, the designated investment business, and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. It's Thursday, 7th of December. With me today, I have Graeme Carling. Graeme is chairman and co-founder of The Carling Group. The Carling Group is an international family office with investments across several sectors. Graeme, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you finding today? Uh, cold. Yeah, it's cold. Uh, I just flew in from Dubai uh, the day before yesterday, and uh, obviously the weather's considerably hotter than what it is here in, in London. So, so You've just had the COP26, haven't still, you? It's still, still going. going. It's COP28. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very amazing how quickly the years go by, <laughs> isn't it? I wonder if I wonder if anything will actually be decided. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll wait and see. So, Graham, shall we start with where it all started for you? Yeah, well, I mean, if I take you right back, as opposed to the start uh, for me, um, the... I was never particularly any good at school. You know, I wasn't very bright, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, I got by. Um, I was kind of below average, if, if anything. Um, and probably the, in terms of my family and the people that, uh, and the environment I was brought up in, we lived in a, in a sort of working class uh, city in, in, in Scotland, Dundee, and um, pretty, pretty tough, you know, pretty tough yep. upbringing, council house, you know. Uh, money was always a, a, a very tight and a, and a problem, um, but what you kind of done was you, you you know you left school and went and got a trade. Yes, there was no logic behind it. No, it's just something that you done. Very few people went on, in, in my environment, on to if you like, higher education and university and, and uh, managed to escape if you like. You know, so so kind of just what you done. You followed the crowd, and um, so when I was uh, 15, 16, um, I left school. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I just done what what everybody else was doing, which was leaving school and went and tried to get a trade. So I I picked joinery. I don't know mm-hmm. why I was absolutely <laughs> hopeless. So woodwork uh, wasn't I, your thing oh, at school. Terrible, terrible. Anything to do with woodwork or technical, yeah. you know, I, I was terrible at it. But that's what all my friends were doing. So so I done that. I managed to get a YTS position, yep. uh, twenty nine pound fifty a week, uh, working for one of the large construction companies. So it was a YTS position that you then became an apprentice, uh, basically. So it was something you, you just done. You know, I just, I just went into that, hated it, um, but that's 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 where I was when I left school. Um, when I was 16, my, my dad had got a promotion down to Kent, Barbershop in Kent, and uh, so the whole family moved. So I, I hadn't long started uh, my ap- apprenticeship, mm. if you like. I moved down to Kent, couldn't get any uh, anywhere, couldn't get back in an apprenticeship yeah. there. And I wasn't too disappointed about that, <laughs> I, I must be honest, because I, I did not like it at all. But um, I, I ended up, I got a job in a transport office, mm-hmm. and 
I was kind of at the age whereby I'd left my friends. Yeah. My brother and sister had went to school, um, and, and I was then working in a transport office in an adult environment. And um, so I, I really, I kind of immersed myself in working, you know, and it was, uh, and I really got, uh, as, as I was going in, I was working six, seven days a week. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I got a, bit, a real buzz about that type of environment, logistics, you know. And dealing with people, I, I guess. Yeah, dealing with people. I just uh, It was an adult environment, and it was a stressful, it was a stressful environment as well. It was fresh foods, um, pro- uh, pro- produce uh, coming in. So, you know, there was real, it was a real something where you had to use your mind mm-hmm. as opposed to your hands. And uh, I, th- I really thrived on that. It, do- it done me well. Um, so uh, I committed myself that I was working, let's say, six, seven days a week. I, I, I just really got the buzz from it. Um, when I was I was there for a couple of years in Kent, then when I was 18, on the stroke of 19, uh, I moved across to Newport in South Wales. And I kind of worked my way up through that company pretty quickly because I was committed to it and I, I just genuinely loved the buzz of it. But there was always something sort of in me where I, you know, it didn't really make sense that I'd be working for somebody all this year. I seen my, my dad who had done well in the corporate world from where he came mm-hmm. from, housing scheme, mm-hmm. council housing estate in Dundee, managed to work his way up to managing director and chief executive of SME businesses, but, yeah. but very well for w- from where he came from, but he still had no money. He yeah. never had any money. He didn't have any real assets. Working, you know, very stressful position, done well for himself. And I just thought, you know, th- that it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make sense. And I've seen it, you know, every Christmas, there was my mum and dad be fighting and arguing because he never had any money for Christmas. And uh, uh, my dad was always chasing his bonus, you know, mm-hmm. that he was, he was due yep. to get because it was hand to mouth, even though he, on the face of it, was doing well. So so I always had something in me where I had to really wanted to start and work and uh, start my own business. So I'd, I'd worked in various positions, worked my way up through the ranks, always done well in the corporate world, and was always one of the youngest, you know, on, on probably one of the higher salaries. Mm-hmm. So I always done well at it, but still my arse was twitching, you know, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to do something for myself. So I think around, around about uh, 2000, I started my first business. Uh, that didn't work out. I started another one straight after it. So by probably the end of 1999 to 2002, I'd started and failed at three smaller business, small businesses. What, what sort of sectors? Well, same sort of logistics? As yeah, same logistics. The first one was when Tesco were looking at, um, I remember coming down here to London and having meetings with Tesco and Sainsbury's when they were looking to really start the internet home shopping okay, back yes. at the time. Yeah. So it was we were supplying vehicles to Tesco's and and all. I done my thesis here in in, in uh, logistics on on internet home shopping mm-hmm. and how it, how it had, you know taken off in the US and and all that. So it was something I was dead interested in and it really um, and I loved the whole sort of logistics and fresh food uh, uh, element of it. So anyway, we started our first business supplying vehicles to the super some of the supermarkets. And um, overnight, they, they took it in-house, and we were of wiped course, out. Yeah. Yeah, so. uh, that was that one. Another one was we were importing health foods from um, from the uh, uh, from the US, and again, all, the, all our money got tied up and stuck in customs, yes. and yeah. uh, because of the, 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 the product wasn't fit for the UK yeah. and all that stuff. So again, another lesson, another kind of wipeout. Then, then after that, uh, when Woolworths, Kingfisher Group, mm-hmm. you know, they, were, they started their... 
um, big W chain of superstores, which was a super dog, Woolworths, and all that stuff. And again, I started supplying them with vehicles for delivery uh, deliveries to uh, people's houses. So again, you know, it was the right kind of idea at the time. I mean, different story now, but they were probably ahead of, ahead of our time. Yeah. But um, um, it, it, we just we just simply didn't make any money at it. It was a hard game. We didn't have a contract, and uh, so anyway, the, the, it, you know, after three failed businesses, um, and I was skint. You know, my ego was dented, my uh, pride. You know, I was, I, I was in a, I was, I was in a bad place at that time. That was about two thousand and two, and and I had to go back to, you know, I had no money. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely skinny. It was, it was, it was, but a massive learning point in my life. Oh, I, man- I can imagine the experience was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So and on, so around about the, I'd started back working back in mainstream employment. Um, Hating it, but again, I was I was committed to it whilst I was doing it, and um, I had to um, I had to recover. You know, I had to get my confidence back. I had to recover financially, and um, I was around about the, the 2002. I read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad yep. by, by Robert yep. Kiyosaki. Um, I caught I caught the end of him on a an Oprah Winfrey. Uh, I was on the TV. Yep. And he was he was promoting his book Rich Dad Poor Dad. I read it, and to me, it was really a light bulb moment for me because. All the advice and information I knew was just rubbish. You know, I didn't know anything. Even taking advice, um, don't ask me this uh, question later mm. on. Probably jumping about saying, "Who's your inspiration?" Yeah. It was my dad was the inspiration, yeah. but he was not my mentor. Yeah, it was the wrong. It was, but he yeah, was the inspiration. I get that. You know, I get that. Yeah. so what you have is so the information my dad and the people around me in the environment I was in the information they were giving me, or it was only what they knew, and they'd never been mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. So the people that were giving me the advice and who I was listening to in my first few uh, failed businesses was simply the wrong advice, simply the wrong environment, yep. and the Rich Dad Poor Dad book was really a completely different. It was a it was a massive light bulb moment for me. So that was in 2002, and I, and I uh, back working mainstream employment, and it took me five years to, rec- to recover, really recover mentally, yes. Um, emotionally, be able to have the confidence and the um, to, to go back into back into it again, you know, to take another risk and another gamble, you know, and um, so it was in 2007, uh, October 2007, when the property market and the financial markets were starting to starting to go south. Um, by that time, I had immersed myself and I'd read everything about rich dad, poor dad, and financial education and. I got myself really in a good place mentally and looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when the property market started to start to crash, everybody was getting out. That was my time to get in. So so ultimately, I didn't have any capital at the time. I, we, I had enough money to live off mm-hmm. for six months, only to live off. And I had to get some property deals yeah. in. So I was under, under a lot of pressure from uh, sort of October, November tw- 2007. I got my first deal in March 2008. But that deal allowed me to refinance it quickly yes, and yeah. gave me more money yeah. to live on. And just yeah. we just kept, I just yeah. kept rolling it. So, so that was kind of, but always desperate during that time to get out of the rat race in terms of the, you know, uh, mainstream employment to start working for myself of again. Course. So, yeah. so that was that, and that was kind of the start of it, the, or if you like, the start of this part of of my uh, career. So, like all journeys, it started with one property or yes. one step, and yeah. Yeah, and grew from there. Uh-huh. Yep. So I did. It started. We we bought one property in March. Just kept going, kept going, kept, and really, really didn't stop. You know, we just as the finance market tightened and changed, we had to go and solve that problem. Yes. 
how how do we get equity? The banks, you know, that we're tightening up on on lending. Um, so we had to go, you know, get equity from various investors. And but but it was a good time for us, you know, as as everybody else was getting out. We were either going to be right or we were going to be well wrong, you mm -hmm. know. So thankfully, um, you know. We were, we were, we've done well. We've done well out of it. So at the peak, would you be? Yeah, well, we we built ourselves up to. We had about three hundred and fifty plus units, you know, as we kept yep. going. We we buying ones and ones and twos, then then obviously and then forties and fifties at a time. So um, we done it. Uh, we we worked our way up, if you like. So uh, yeah, we had three hundred and fifty plus. We were probably one of the largest private landlords in Scotland that we built ourselves up and. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was through the sort of, the, if you like, the tough times or the, the financial So crisis. that was 2007 to, to Th 2008, we, we stopped buying. I'm trying to think when we really stopped buying. Maybe 2016 or something, you know, but we were, um, we were doing other things in the, in the amongst that. So that's that. an incredible, uh, incredible journey in nine years to have such a, a wonderful portfolio. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and we could have done more. You know, we, we should have done more, but... Anyway, we're, we you know we got to where we got to, uh, and then did you sell the properties? We're s we we have been selling our properties recently. Um, we've kept some of them, you know, some of the larger units and larger sites, but we just di diversified. You know, we went into commercial property, we started mm -hmm. developments, redevelopments of existing buildings. Um, so again, just just a really uh, a natural progression out of just buying you know, single properties, really. And then how, how do you invest this passive income that comes yep. your way then? Yeah. Well, what we wanted to do, what we've seen was, again, being, being in the property business, we've seen the legislation and regulation coming into the, the sector, you know, the whole decarbonisation of yes. buildings, the EPC ratings, yes. uh, all of this stuff, you know, doing away with gas boilers. And, and we were we were a victim of that, of if course. you like. We had to yeah. pay those yeah. costs and expenses. So what we wanted to do was, it was a natural for us then to look at being on the other side of the fence, as the as the contractor or the company or the business looking after or maintaining or upgrading properties, so what we decided to do was to go looking for businesses that are that could you know not just help uh, uh, support our properties mm -hmm. but support properties for others and on a grander scale whether yep. it be government housing or yep. housing associations so social housing so so we kind of evolved over the years so then we were using our money to originally to reinvest in properties, we then used the money to reinvest or, or to invest in businesses that were looking after properties um, or maybe went into some commercial and some office accommodation. So what would be an example of that? What sort of services would you have, companies would you bought which you can then sell to third parties as well? Yeah, so we, we own businesses now currently still uh, that do, you know, gas, gas, uh, electric air source heat pumps, solar panels, uh, all the so traditional, traditional uh, property you know gas electric M and E companies yep. that that are that have the ability and scope to trans transition into renewables so into new energy cleaner energy so, so we, when we the regulation comes in or is yeah, coming, it's in, coming in yeah. you you have that covered yeah we, uh, we've we've seen that coming for a number of years so I think one of the things that we're we're pretty good at is uh, spotting the opportunities, you know, looking ahead and doing, even though the market might not be there just yet. And we, we, I've been wrong. We've been too quick sometimes. Yeah, too, too, too early. Too early. early. Yeah. yeah, we've been too early. Yeah. Um, but I think given where the market is uh, now, we, um, I think we were out at the right time we, and we understand the market pretty well. Um, 
and there's no big players yet. Everybody's talking renewables and mm -hmm. decarbonisation and all this stuff, but it's a very fragmented market, and we uh, uh, we see opportunity in that sector. Away from um, from building maintenance as well. Well, we're still still building maintenance to a certain extent, uh, but but mainly decarbonisation of, of existing buildings. So we'll you know we'll replace gas boilers with air source heat pumps yep. or ground source heat pumps, insulation, solar panels, EV charge, all this stuff that reduces the carbon in any in any property. So you know we're still very much focused on on that uh, sector because the market's huge. Yes. And, and it's yeah. global, you know. Yeah. And, and being regulated. Absolutely, yeah. And it's very yeah. important. Regulated markets mean mean decent returns. We like that. Yeah, yeah we like that. What else does the Carling Group yeah. do? Yeah, so we have we have inter property, uh, like I say, we look at, we have interest in, in healthcare, uh, dentists. So we, we're doing a, a, a roll-up, if you like, in, in dentistry at the moment in I mean, that's very clever because, because private equity will come and, and, come and buy yeah. that. Yeah, well. Uh, right. You roll up a few more and... They'll yes. be sitting in the wings to come uh, and buy the ones you've you've rolled up. Uh, that's the that's the plan. That's kind of what we do. So we, we look at niche areas, so healthcare, property, we look after decarbonisation or renewable energies, sports another one that we're looking in where there's an opportunity to uh, acquire sports or, or invest in some sports uh, what sort clubs. Of sports? Well football we're looking at, you know, we've got some uh, investments at the moment that we're looking at over in the US. Uh, and soccer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, so it's going to so be it's going to be incredibly yeah. large soccer in the US. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think people have quite yet understood uh -huh. how big soccer can be in the US. Yes. And it's uh, and it's growing massively yeah. over there. So. Yeah. Well, so Mr. Beckham's helping with that, I think, a lot. Well, it is in Messi as well. You know, I yeah. mean, that was yes, uh, that exa was exactly. That was exactly. very helpful <laughs> in yeah. terms of valuations and yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. So uh, yeah, we do that. So anything whereby, it's it's it's. There's a global market or a global awareness of it. So we've we've kind of we've evolved. You know, when we started, I started. There was no grand plan. You know, I just wanted to make enough money to quit my job yeah. and have enough money coming in every month. That was I didn't have to go and work for it. Yeah. You know, and that was it. That was as far as it was to start with. Yeah. Of course, you know, here we are, 15, 17 years later or something, and. Uh, um, our goals are huge now. You know, we're, they're, they just get bigger every time. The problems get bigger. Your challenges get bigger. But it's just something I absolutely love. You know, I lo love the whole business aspect of it. And I, and I like the, you know, I love night. You know, again, I, I, the, probably the last sector, which is probably the most important sector. But it's it's, it's a bit, you know, it, it feels like it's the, it's the, it's everybody's at it now, which is AI. You know, yeah. we're, we're really yeah. interested and have an appetite uh, for that space or the supply into that space with, with technology. So how do you see AI playing out? What's your thesis? Well, I mean, a lot of people are terrified at it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have a massive uh, v uh, sort of scope on AI. I can only tell you a bit about the, what the AI, the investments that we've looked at. Yes, yeah. And, the w and clearly people are terrified in terms of job losses and what it's going to do and, you know, the fear around the technology. But what I've seen of it on some of the specific investments that we're looking at, the AI, I mean, it just enhances and improves and is, 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 is phenomenal. So which, which, is that within sort of healthcare? Uh, no, this is within security and uh, um, mainly in the security space. Yeah. So, um, so super facial recognition. All of this stuff, you know, just, just even, you know, to reduce the amount of, 
false alarms. Yes. They reduce, reduce the amount of, you know, you know, where all your time's taken up. A leaf blows. That it's it's yeah. a leaf. You know what yeah. I mean? So it has the ability to, yeah. to recognise. Yeah. Or the spider goes across Absolutely. the fence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, it's windy outside. Yeah. All of that stuff. Some of this, uh, the technology and its ability to, to reduce, um, you know, false alarms or... Uh, and then think about, you know, it's, that's, there's two people in there, yeah. there should only be one. Well, you know, all of this stuff, I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. And that's not really, you're not really losing jobs in that. You know, there's an argument that, that you don't need as many people because there isn't so many false alarms. But what it does, it gives you the ability to, you know, use the people you have to do yeah. far more. Exactly right, rather than just going checking on false alarms. Yeah, yeah. So it really just enhances and improves. So it's, it's, it's additive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly complimentary and additive. Yes. So, so for that, to me, I'm, I don't know what there is to be frightened of with yeah. that. It's a, it's a, it's a, a real improvement. Um, maybe the valuations. Maybe we have to be careful. Maybe we have to be concerned, yeah. worried, yeah. worried and scared of the AI valuations, which yeah. I think are yeah. certainly quite uh, generous, shall we say? Yeah. Well, fine if you're exiting, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like most people don't need to start. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. That's it. That's that's um, so, where does where does the Carling Group go from here? Where in if we were to roll forward five years, what yep. does it look like? Well, how it looks is we'll we'll be an internet a, a, a true international uh, business working with uh, regional partners throughout the world. So we've been working with. So when we're we're looking at AI, it's it's AI. Th- we're our partners over in the US. So we take a stake or a partnership with these guys that are active in that space. Similar whether whether it's in Europe or in the Middle East, you know we'll work with regional partners there, uh, whereby we can support and enhance uh, their offering, allow them to grow. That for for us is is key. So we want to have uh, operations right throughout the, the the globe in the the key areas that are often potential huge, you know, that's a huge, very high uh, multiples mm-hmm. and, and exits. Mm-hmm. But they're they're good gross margins as well, just as trading businesses. So See. that that keeps us. So uh, we filter a lot, but that's yeah. that's core. For, we've learned that over the years. We've looked at low margin stuff, and so so for us, it, it's it's good uh, gross margin, clean type businesses uh, where the the opportunity in terms of global marketplace is is there. AI, for example, and uh, tech. Um, so we want to be active across the globe so we've yeah and then you you invest equity or you use your your experience to assist these partners both. How, does it, how does it structure both. That? but generally we'll take an equity position yeah. generally generally uh so as we've got some some sort of skin in the game uh really but uh it's a mixture you know it, it really what what gets presented to us where we get you know offered a lot of opportunities most of them we don't take you yeah know, we, we just don't what take you them. say no to is yeah. what, what makes you successful I think. yeah yeah and then is, is there much, I hate the word, but cross fertilization between the the um, the different sectors and your different partners? Can you bring experience that you've learned from one partner to another? Is it is it that simple? Well, it's simple on a a real macro level. On we can enhance the profile of businesses. Mm-hmm. We can enhance the the awareness and and an actual fact. We've we've been here uh, down in London the last couple of days, and we've had a lot. Of pitches of, of uh, various things where, where in actual fact the cross fertilization wasn't something we were thinking about mm-hmm. but already we could see because people that, that for example that are looking to supply into the AI space yes. 
So straight away you can you know you can see where Christ you know where the synergies can be or cross fertilization. It could be. It's not something that we we don't uh, in any of the biz- any of the investments we've made. That's not something that we kind of kid ourselves on about that we're going to realise this and do that and, and and add all this value. We really look at businesses on their own right uh, and they've got to make sense for us from a financial point of view. But if we can then where it's where it makes sense to you know uh, cross fertilise or, mm-hmm. or synergies, then clearly we'll do that. But we don't kid ourselves on with that. And what is this general holding time for your investments? Um, th- it does depend. Look, I mean, we can always have an ideal uh, uh, time frame. We think, you know, five years, enough. Um, but it's not up to us, really. It's up to the market. Mm-hmm. What does the market dictate? So if the market dictates um, that it's quicker, fine. You know, we're quite happy. I think it'll al- also depend on the sector. You know, yes. if you're looking at a tech firm, we yeah. don't want to hold on to that too quickly. Yeah. You know, we want to in there and to get the value and, uh, yep. and yeah, yeah. That makes sense. yeah so it really depends on, on, on what it is and the price and the price yeah yeah we we can't we can't control that well no not really but you're still still seeing a lot of opportunities oh yeah we're seeing a lot of opportunities i think this year in particular has been a bit slow um not not in terms of opportunities but in terms of just time scales to get things done and there's a nervousness you know there has been interest rates and yeah uh, 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 inflation and all that stuff. So, but um, I think going into twenty four, um, you know, we're, we're, I think it will be a bit slow the first six months. But sort of the back end of the year, I, I think twenty four going into twenty five, we're really going to see um, see some 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 uh, you know. But I'd hope to think you know a lot more increase in activity. But um, just now, whilst people are waiting on the sidelines, you know, and obviously obviously there was a hell of a lot of money raised during uh, 2021 yeah you know so yeah. there's a lot of capital sitting waiting to be deployed in the market so you know things start to we start to see a reduction in interest rates at the back end of the year here in the u.s and i think um you know that should maybe stimulate things but for us we don't really wait you know if, if an opportunity comes up we'll you know we, we like to think that um there's less competitors at the moment then we, we, we might get a, a good deal a better deal exactly yeah. right and maybe some more distressed sellers as well uh-huh. And then when you go into a business or a partner, how do you, you comment uh, that I was reading that you're very keen to scale the business, and that's very important, I guess, yeah. because that will then deliver great value. How do you go about on a day-to-day basis to, or how much how much input do you have, yeah. and how much and how do you go about scaling a, a business from from day one as soon as you go get the keys? Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's not something that we it's we set the strategy. So at group uh, at group level, we set the strategy. Yeah. If we're acquiring a business, we're looking for a business where the, the owner, you know, the, the, the major shareholder wants to grow the business but just doesn't have the means. So they're still involved. So they're they're, they're involved. absolutely involved. We need them to be involved because ultimately... It's their expertise. It's, it's, it's them. It's down yeah. to them. And we will support them in that role. Now, a lot of, you know, it doesn't always work out, of course. Yeah, of course. But ultimately, that's what it is. So each uh, sector, so for Carling Health or... Carling, prop- Carling Properties, they have their own board, their own team, their own strategy and objectives that has to form, uh, f- tie in with a group strategy. So, I mean, ultimately, you're always buying, you're always selling. And um, it's fluid, but for us, it's um, so important that we get the right the right acquisition with the right people because effectively they become that group board. Yes. There, yep. so. and, and what sort of percentage equity would you take? Huh? Is it a, is it a controlling stake? We 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 look at controlling stakes. Yeah, so we'll take fifty one percent. 
and then locking management teams, I guess. Yeah, they, yeah, that's it. It's vital that they're locked in. So even even if we do that, you know, we'd like to get them tied in for a minimum three anyway. But they are ultimately still mar- they're partners of their own destiny now, yes. really, aren't they? So yeah. with you, yeah. but you allow them to have the scope to continue to grow the business. But now yeah. with some fresh capital for them, yeah, they've de-risked themselves. Yeah. Are they still motivated? Well, I think the motivation is uh, you need to get the deal structure right. Yeah, we need to be. You know, is there an? Uh, do you tend to have an earn out? We do. As well? yeah, yeah, we do not. Well, yeah, it depends. Each deal is unique. Correct. On that basis, so uh, it'll be deferred or or, or, or incentivized or uh, earn outs. You know, yeah. but ultimately, I think given the way that we kind of structure the deals and, we, and if we all benefit, you know, it should be a straightforward by joining the group and getting the profile of the group and the skill of the group and the balance sheet of the group that you we are hoping or that what should happen is there's an immediate arbitrage play in terms of multiple yes. and value. Yeah. So if we can get that correct and we get the right people, and it doesn't always work like I say, but but in the main, that is it. So people see the value. You know, probably it's SME businesses where they're not gonna get it, but you know, they maybe sell it as for uh, you know, a three, let's say a three multiple or yep. something, but immediately the retained shares, you know, worth eight. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I get that. So. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, any that haven't worked out? Loads. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, we've had, we've had stuff that uh, have not, uh, you know, we've bought businesses we shouldn't have bought. We, we bought distressed businesses or yeah. our business administration. I mean, distressed businesses are tough. Right? Oh, it's it's not our game. Yeah. You know, it's not what we do. We buy There's a reason why they're so cheap. I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, so we've had our fingers burnt uh, in that respect. So, like, it's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, in the main, you know, most of the businesses, uh, but, we, you know, I always say some of the best deals we've done are the ones we didn't do. Yes, you exactly. Know? And you were saying that yeah. earlier on there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, listen, it's a, it's a mix. It's, a, it's been a mixed bag, but more win than lose, and that's, that's where we need to be. And then apart from, you've mentioned AI and also sport, any other verticals that you might expand into? No, I think that's enough for us. So we've got, let's say, four or five different yeah. real key sectors uh, for us that we look at. And um, I think that's wide enough for us at the, at the moment. You know, the way we, have to go. We, we bring in industry experts to lead that particular, because yeah. we, we don't know that all. Yeah. But we know, the, we know the business all, you know, buy and build and, b- b- and grow. We know that business. So that's what we bring to it. Then you've got the industry experts and their team, and uh, we can support that and back them. We're pretty light touch. Now, that's done well for us in some instances and not so well yes. in other instances. So, um, look, I think it's just going to be one of, one of these ones. You, you've just got to sell you, you don't know. But the more yeah. deals you do, the best you're <coughs> doing, doing them. Exactly, yeah. And you know exactly what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and it becomes almost a cookie-cutter process for you and it, businesses hit your criteria yep. and management hit your criteria and then yep. you're able to, to transact. Mm. Yep. Seems like rather than having a passive income, it seems like you're very busy, Graham. Well, uh, you know, we, I like being busy. I'm yeah. terrible being quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hopeless at that. I drive myself crazy, you know, so <laughs> I need to be, uh, we need to be, I'm not saying right in the mix of it, not on the detail. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in, in no, people, you know, I think a lot of people in some of our companies go, well, what does he actually do? Because I don't get involved in yeah. the day-to-day operation. I expect the people that are running these business to know what, what yeah, they're of course, doing. Of course. It's not for me to do that. Yeah. But my job is to make sure I'm thinking of the future. That's my job. So, and I love that. I love uh, 
uh, you know, I love new stuff. I love, you know, the, the, the challenges of the future, but kind of work out, you know, where we should be positioned. So, you know, that's what I spend most of my time doing. So it's polishing the crystal ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, this is uh, really, really interesting. Graham, as my regular listeners know, I like to close with three questions. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take one at a time. Mm-hmm. Your greatest inspiration slash mentor. Now, you yeah. may have alluded to it, uh-huh. but, uh, but yeah. who, who, who are they? I think certainly the, my greatest inspiration is definitely my dad. Because from where he came from, he dared to have ambition from an environment where that was frowned mm. upon. Mm. And that was actually, you were, you know, you were kind of, I said, uh, you know, how, you know, who do you think you are? How yeah. dare you? You know, do you remember where you're from type of stuff? He dared to have ambition in, in what he felt was uh, his uh, sector. Um, so definitely my dad was the guy that showed me uh, dare to have ambition. Um, and there was a mentor. No, he wasn't the mentor because he his path was, was very much, mm. you know, uh, an employee. Um, that's I've never wanted that position probably because of him and i've seen what it done yes to him and yeah. my uh my mum and mm-hmm. they, they never had any money uh, no matter how much money he made as an employee never we were always skint you know so um but in terms of mentors mentors of uh, for me i mean I, I, I said to you about the you know rich dad poor dad and robert kiyosaki and they type of people they were they were um, mentors, but they, my mentors have evolved over the years. Yes, of course. And exactly. they never stop. They, yeah. never, they never stop. I mean, we, we are meeting people we, 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 uh, t- tomorrow night. You know, we're, we're, we're up. Uh, um, we, we support uh, Codwell Children. So you've got John Codwell yes. now. Yeah. So we, ours, but we have many mentors and many mentors, but it's people that have done significantly better, significantly better than us. I'm listening. You know, success leaves clues. I'm listening to the people that are, have been hugely successful in the area, and I'm looking forward. And if they're talking, I'm listening. So, so it's no one person in, per, mm-hmm. in specifically. There are a number of people, and and it changes. No, I get that. Uh, everyone has something to give, don't they? Yeah, yeah. No. That's very important. Now, I think we might know the answer to the next one. Uh-huh. A, a book which has yes. inspired yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I guess. Well, I know you're going to say that. Yes, that's, that's one of them. But the other one is, is Turning Pro by a guy called uh, Robin Pressfield. Turning Pro. It's only a small book, but profound uh, impact uh, on it. He, he, he wrote three in a series. The other one was War of Art. I can't remember the, the other one. And oh, I've read War of Art. War of Art, yeah. yeah. War of Art and um, Turning Pro. Yeah. And they're just sim- simple it's little bit. Focus. I yeah, well, t- yeah, turning pro is, you know, it, it gives you the amateur and the, the professional yeah. and the people that live the, the sort of the, the amateur life that are all rock and roll without any of the delivery, you know what I mean? They're living the, 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 the sex, drugs, without any of the rock and roll lifestyle, you know, it's all this uh, um, stuff, whereas you turn pro and your life changes, you know, you commit to something, you're, um, but yeah, turning pro, my own, my own he does talk about that in in the War of Art as well. He does. He, he does. Yes. Yeah. Pro and and yeah. and amateur. That's and, right. And your mind and how yeah. you have to get over your ego. Yes. And it's, that's right. And it's it's getting over your ego. It's only you that you have to combat your ego. It's exactly. yourself that you have to you have to combat and defeat. Yes. To, to go forward. Uh-huh. 
brilliant. Great book. Great. Um, he's a great author. By he is. Way. He is very good. Really, and I love the fact they are very thin books. Yes, that's right. But, they, but they, the words have so much meaning and poignancy. Yes. That it takes me quite a while to read because I find I reread the sentences again. Yeah. I think I understand what he's trying to get uh-huh. at. But no, I, I do completely agree. Mm. Um, and finally, what piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out on their career? This one uh, is, is easy. I mean, I, t- I tell my son this. Fail fast. Yep. Fail fast. You're going to fail. Right? It never stops. You know, there's going to be challenges all your all your life. Fail fast. Build up the resilience and get it out of the way. Dust yourself down and get uh, crack on. I think that the, the, I mean, w- people look at me and we're saying, well, you know, I started when I was young and, and I should have done it younger. I yeah. should have done it earlier. Yeah. I'd, I, if I've got any regrets, it's that I didn't, feel fast enough mm-hmm. and I didn't take a big enough risk, you know, the baby steps, everybody's yeah. telling you, you know, just no, just do a small bit and they're doing it because they think that's the best way. Yes. No, you know, come on, you know, you've got to really feel it. Yeah, you've yeah. got to really put yourself out there. And if it fails, fine, get out of the road. You know, let's uh, let's move on. Well you're a working example, a real life example <laughs> yes. of that, aren't you? Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Graham, how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, we can uh, be contacted through our website, uh, uh, thecarlinggroup.co.uk, um, or you can contact me on LinkedIn, graham.carling uh, at LinkedIn. Um, yeah, that's the, they're, they're the easiest and most uh, available routes to contact us. Graham, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Different Perspective, a Zeus podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast or get in touch, you can contact me on live at zeuscapital.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.